Good morning, church. Thanks for showing up. So we, as a church, have been going through seven blessings in the book of Revelation, seven benedictions a few weeks ago. (coughs) Excuse me. Zach talked about um, the blessing that it is just to read this book. We talked about uh, blessed are those who die in the Lord. Last week, Zach talked about blessed are those who are alert, stay vigilant. Today, we're going to talk about blessed are those invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb. And these blessings, some of them in Revelation, seem counterintuitive, you know, blessed, uh, especially those that die, um, but in that death, um, there's rest, true rest. And we see in the book of Revelation that, um, we see throughout church history, the church just gets beat up. We always are the underdog. We're always under trials. We're always facing um, the flesh, the devil, the world. And Jesus said it would be like this. Uh, Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 4, he says, friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. And so this chapter, um, we're going to see God rejoice. Four times they say hallelujah in this chapter. And it's because the full glory of the Lamb is going to be revealed. The first of these hallelujahs is in verse 1. Let me back up just a little bit. These, These four hallelujahs, the four reasons why the people of God are rejoicing. Um, number one, uh, the prostitute, Babylon, the enemy of God's people from day one that has been seducing them, harming them, uh, this is Babylon's destruction. So in verse 1, it says, Hallelujah. Salvation, glory, and power belong to our God because his judgments are true and righteous, because he has judged the notorious prostitute who corrupted the earth with her sexual immorality, and he has avenged the blood of his servants that was on her hands. God's people rejoice because Babylon's destruction displays God's justice and his vengeance. 
Those are things that we try to take into our own hands that we're tempted to um, execute. You know, God reminds us many times throughout his word that vengeance is his. It's not ours to um, make sure that our enemies pay for what they've done. Um, We don't have to worry about being right. We don't have to worry about justice in our own lives because God has promised that, he, that his justice will be true, will be complete, will be full. And in chapter 19 of Revelation, God's people see this and they celebrate and they rejoice because God's justice has reached completion. Verse 3 says, A second time they said, Hallelujah, her smoke ascends forever and ever. The destruction of Babylon is irreversible, it's permanent. And the victory that we have in Christ um, now, it is effective for us, but it is not complete. We experience temptation, we experience attacks, we experience trials from the enemy, but there's coming a day that God's people will rejoice because that victory is complete. The third hallelujah. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God, who is seated on the throne, saying, Amen, hallelujah. A voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all of his servants, and the ones who fear him, both small and great. So you have the 24 elders who represent God's people on earth, and you have the four living creatures who represent God's creation in heaven, and they're celebrating, rejoicing, because heaven and earth are together. You know, since the beginning of the church, how many thousands of times have we prayed, God, your kingdom come? And this is the moment, this is the day, this is the time that the church celebrates that that's true that that is happening, that that will be completed. And the fourth hallelujah. Hallelujah, because our Lord God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us be glad, rejoice, and give him glory, because the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has prepared herself. God's people rejoice because Babylon's destruction ushers in the marriage of the Lamb. And this is kind of where we're going to camp out today. The idea of this marriage feast, the idea of Christ and his church becoming one for eternity. And all these declarations point to the fact that Christ reigns. And not that he hasn't been reigning this whole time in our lives over the earth, but there's coming a time that Christ is going to reign without rival. His enemy will be destroyed. There will be no longer a competition for our hearts. We won't be pulled or distracted or drawn away from what God has for us. Christ will be reigning in our lives without rival. And this is something that I, um, and I imagine you, because you're human, uh, really long for. 
there are times in my life that, you know, victory, um, and I, I don't mean this in a weird way, but victory seems easy. You know, following God, listening to his voice, staying connected in uh, a relationship with him, it's, it just feels natural. It feels good. And there are other times in my life where it just seems like every step I take is just one step forward, but then two steps back. There's so much resistance. There's so much adversity in trying to serve God in a way that is consistent, in a way that is continual, in a way that is uninterrupted. But there's coming a day when he will have full reign of my heart without rival. In the second half of that, this marriage, there's coming a day when I, when we, the church, will be redeemed without relapse. It won't be this one step forward, two steps back. It'll be complete. The rejoicing will be continual. Verse 8 of chapter 19 says, She was given fine linen to wear, bright and pure, for the fine linen represents the righteous acts of the saints. The Bible has talked about God's righteousness, us wearing God's righteousness, all the way back in Isaiah chapter 61. He says, I greatly rejoice in the Lord. I exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation and wrapped me in a robe of righteousness as a groom wears a turban and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. And in contrast to that, Isaiah also talks about our own righteousness when we try to wear our own good deeds that our righteousness is as filthy rags. On the day that we think we nail it, on the day that we think we have killed it, give money to my friend's Facebook charity, had a really good day of not being impatient with my kids, I gave a roll of toilet paper to somebody that was walking out of the store with napkins, on the day that I kill it, my righteousness is as filthy rags. But at this marriage feast, at this celebration, we are given these fine linens. We'll be wearing in eternity the memories of our journey with Christ through this life. All of the things that Christ did in us and through us and for us, these linens represent the good deeds of the saints. A badge of our surrender to him, a token of the reminder that it was all for this feast, all for this marriage, all for this moment in seeing Jesus face-to-face, and starting eternity, this new life, this eternal life, together. Um, Marriage is a fun thing. I don't know for you single people. Um, 
when I was single, I thought that, okay, if I find a nice, cute girl to marry, that I've made it. I've reached that. Just marry this girl, and life will be a breeze past that. I did not like being single, um, and so I thought marriage would be uh, the remedy. Um, and then I got married, and I found out that um, it is not the remedy to life, that marriage um, is not the end, but it is very much the beginning. And it's not the idea that I made it, but, oh, I'm, we are going to have to make this thing into something, something beautiful. It takes work. It's a challenge. But the beautiful thing is that every marriage on this side of eternity is just a shadow, just a picture, just a messy um, skit of what true marriage is with Christ. In John 15, Jesus calls his disciples friends. He says, no longer do I call you servants. I call you friends. Christ calls his church his bride. You know, we see that relationships, that friendship is based on growth. As we continue in our friendships, we grow closer to one another. We um, discover more about each other. And marriage is much deeper than just friendship. It's a friendship that transcends just that growth, but also bringing in intimacy. Jonathan Edwards says, the more that we, the more knowledge we have of God and his works, the more we will see his excellency, the more we will love him, the more delight and happiness we will have in him. And I imagine, as much as we've experienced Christ on this side, as much as we love him and um, look forward to our time with him, there's going to be so much more that we learn about him in eternity. Um, in the first year of being married to my wife, I learned so much more about who she was than the five years prior that we had been friends. And every year, I discover more and more and more about her, more ways to love her, more ways to um, experience things together with her, more ways to enjoy her company. And I think you know, all of that points to just how much we don't realize what eternity will be like with Christ. God's people rejoice because of this wedding feast. They rejoice in the fact that the moment they've been longing for, the moment the church has been waiting for of being united with Christ has come. And they say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 9 says, Then he said to me, 
right. Blessed are those invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb. He also said to me, the words of God are true. I think as we look forward to this time, God calls us to remember. He calls us to celebrate. He calls us to look forward to the fact that this day is coming. To consider the trials of this life, light afflictions, to rejoice always, because this day is coming. You know, and it's interesting that it's a marriage feast. Feasting has always been a part of God's expression of his plan to humanity. Uh, there were seven feasts that Israel was supposed to observe um, as they served God throughout the Old Testament. We see that they were to observe Passover, uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, of Tabernacles, of Weeks, of Trumpets, of first fruits, and the Day of Atonement. God has always been about feasting. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a feast. So we come to this feast. We are given fine linens, and we're going to eat. Isaiah says that this feast will have uh, aged wine, the fancy stuff, that it'll have prime meats, choice meats. This feast, I mean, God goes all out on this celebration. Uh, a few weeks ago, maybe it was longer than that, my wife and I were talking about uh, linen in particular, and she asked if I'd be interested in a linen shirt or something like that. And I thought about, like, I don't, I let her dress me if I dress myself. She says I look like a junior hire. Um, but I thought about wearing linen clothes, and like usually those people are the people that summer somewhere. Usually those people are the people that have boats um, that are investments and not uh, something to pull a tube behind. Um, and I was just like, I don't, I don't know if I'm a linen guy, but God's bride, Christ's bride, his church, he gives us linens. He, he makes us linen people. Hopefully we'll be summering with him somewhere. But it, he just brings us into this relationship. He clothes us in a way that is appropriate. And then he puts out this spread that is amazing. And as we see this vision that John has in Revelation, as we read through Scripture and are reminded that there is a future wedding. There is a day that's coming. It's interesting, Jesus' first miracle uh, was at a wedding. The first ceremony we see in Scripture is a wedding. The last ceremony we see in Scripture is a wedding. And it's just this picture that keeps rolling through Scripture as a reminder to us that our union with Christ, as great as it is now, is not complete. 
You know, as we uh, have his spirit as that guarantee, uh, as that engagement, that this day will come, he still calls us to remember. He still calls us to celebrate. He still calls us to look forward to this day because the truth is, I think we can forget. I think we can forget that this day um, is maybe not in fact, maybe not in the fact that we, oh yeah, I totally forgot about that, but in priority, in practicality. We focus more, we get distracted on the things of this life, whether that be our career, whether that be our school, whether that be our family. Some of us are more excited about those things than this day that Jesus has promised us. Some of us are excited about the life that is to come, but not ceremony. We're excited about seeing people that maybe have passed on. We're excited about getting away from the things that weigh us down on this side of eternity. But the fact that Jesus, the fact that Scripture points to this feast, that the people of God cry hallelujah four times that, and it's just ending in this feast with Jesus, that this is what we should be remembering. This should be on the forefront of our minds. I think that we should be excited about beginning this new life with Jesus. One of the things that um, I found really interesting in Bible college, um, I think we have some Moody students here. Hey, Moody, yeah. Um, Is the idea of, in the Jewish culture, culture feasts, you know, eating together and how intimate that was. And as Jesus calls us to be a part of this feast with him, drawing us into an intimate moment with him, um, he gives us a little portion of that that we experience every week here at Revelation, and that's communion. And just the idea that, you know, the bread being the body of Christ that was broken, the wine being the blood of Christ that was spilled, and us making that into a meal. You know, Jesus giving the Last Supper to his disciples. Take my eat my body. His body representing the life and the works that he accomplished while he was here. We, as his people, as his bride, are continuing that work until we're to be united with him for eternity. The wine representing the blood, the sacrifice, the blood that was spilled so that we could be a part of this, that we could experience redemption, salvation, and to remember the cost that he paid 
for this wedding, for this feast. And as we experience, as we take part in communion, being reminded that this is an intimate thing. It's not just something we do to prove that we're Christian. It's not something we do to enjoy wine before noon. It's not something we do to have a snack. But it's something that we do to keep on our minds that there's a day coming that this reminder will stop. That our remembering, that our pointing to something will come to an end and we'll experience the real thing in its fullest. I think that as we're in, you know, just what our country is experiencing now, you know, people are in panic. Some of us don't know what to do. Some of us didn't think we were meeting this morning. Um, Brian made sure that we were here today. Um, But I think that as life gets crazy, These are the times that our faithfulness to Christ can be shown to those around us. To take care of those around us, to be lights in a world that can be dark, that can be chaotic. You know, we are not given a spirit of fear, but one of power and self-control. And through that, all of it, Paul says, to rejoice always. I think for us, uh, rejoicing doesn't come, some of us, rejoicing doesn't come naturally. Um, It's far easier to be worried. It's far easier to try to um, control our situations. Far easier to be stressed out or uncertain. But Jesus calls us to be faithful to recognize that it is a blessing, that, uh, that we are blessed to be a part of his family. And when this day comes, when groom rescues the bride, when father rescues his children, when the enemy has been defeated completely, and we don't have to fight to be faithful, but that the faith that we have in Christ dissolves, the hope that we have in Christ dissolves, and they're both replaced by love that's on another level. As we see Jesus face to face, no longer in a glass dimly, but the real thing, the full thing, and that we would be reminded That through these dark times, you know, whether we're going through a very personal trial, maybe you're experiencing something that is just destroying your strength, that is wearing you down, whether that be, you know, uh, addiction, whether that be something that the enemy has just a grasp on your life, on your heart. Maybe that's something out of your control. Maybe a loved one is ill. Maybe your family is going through um, just hell on this side of eternity and you don't know why. 
there's coming a day when that will pass. As we move on this morning to a time of worship, to a time of communion, think through these things. Know that the relationship that he has called us into, this relationship of already but not yet, we are his bride, we are saved, we are redeemed, but we have not yet experienced the fullness of those things. That that day is coming and that we can rejoice, that we can say hallelujah because our God is the victor. We can say hallelujah because he has given us his righteousness. That we can say hallelujah because heaven and earth will be joined. That we can say hallelujah because we are his bride. I encourage you guys this week to think about these things, to not be worried about the state that our whole world is in right now, not be worried about these things, not to experience fear, but to um, be confident in God, be confident in your Savior, be confident in the work that he is doing in your life, in your community, and that he is faithful to complete that work. Nothing that is going on in your life or this world can hinder that, can disrupt that. He is faithful to complete that, and we should be faithful to follow him through that. So as we take communion this morning, as we worship him, let's pray that he would continue to remind us how strong he is in these times of chaos. You've been listening to the Revelation Church Coeur d'Alene podcast. Learn more about Revelation Church at revelationcda.com.